Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke 4, 16 through 30 in the message. He came to Nazareth where he had been raised, as he always did on the Sabbath. He went to the meeting place. When he stood up to read, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, God's spirit is upon me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and battered free, to announce this is God's time to shine. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the place was on him, intent. Then he started in. You've just heard scripture, make history. It came true just now in this place. All who were there watching and listening were surprised at how well he spoke. But they also said, isn't this Joseph's son? the one we've known since he was just a kid? He answered, I suppose you're going to quote this proverb, doctor, go heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what you, we heard you did in Capernaum. Well, let me tell you something. No prophet is ever welcomed in his hometown. Isn't it a fact that there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah during the three and a half years of drought when famine devastated the land. But only the widow to whom Elijah was sent was in Serapita, in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elijah, but only one cleansed, the only one cleansed, was Naaman the Syrian. That set everyone in the meeting place seething with anger. They threw him out, banishing him from the village, then took him to a mountain cliff at the edge of the village to throw him to his doom. But he gave them the slip and was on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for welcoming me into your space. For those of you that do not know me, um, don't blame Pastor Melinda for whatever you hear today. Uh, I am from California. I'm a pastor of Loomis Basin Congregational Church, United Church of Christ, and I am uh, one of the co-hosts for a progressive Christian podcast called Irenicast. And it is so good to be with you this morning. I bring blessings from California, from one progressive Christian church to another, in a very conservative context, much like your own. And so I am honored to be with you. As we come to this text this morning, we first need to know that Luke, in my mind, is the most progressive of the Gospels. The author of Luke wrote both Luke and Acts, and they are believed to be, uh, they should be chronologically next to each other. Luke sets out to make the case that all people, say all people, are meant to live under the big tent of God's love. 
Say, all people. people. I need a little more rambunctiousness from y'all this morning. (laughs) And so this morning, we hear in the gospel reading our teacher and healer Jesus coming out of the wilderness and returning home to proclaim his first public message. Remember, he has just been baptized. He is then sent into the wilderness to be tempted. And the very first thing he does is shows up at church. He has been named and claimed in baptism as the beloved one, the one sent to do the will of God to be the incarnation of love manifest. Directly from his baptism, he makes his way into the wilderness where he is tempted with security, say security, Security. comfort, say comfort, Comfort. power, Power. and might. Jesus' temptation and revelation draw him out of the wilderness. What took his ancestors 40 years to do in the wilderness, Jesus appears to do in just 40 days. Equipped with vision, purpose, and authority from his outdoor education, he comes home prepared to testify to all that was shared with him. And this is where we arrive this morning in our text. Let's be clear, beloved people, Much like many of us who come home after some time away, we begin to notice the change. You know what I mean? Just things are a little different than they were. Maybe you went to college and you return home. Maybe you were in the military, whatever. But there's moments in our lives where we step away from the commonplaces, the places that helped us grow into who we are, who molded us and formed us, maybe in our faith and in our relationships. But then, when we return, things just seem a little different. And it's vice versa, right? Our families will say things to us like, you're just not the same person. Jesus' transformational wandering has led him to a new passion and zeal. He enters his hometown church to bring a message uh, that God has put on his heart. And Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, 1 through 2, as his precursor for the journey ahead. Luke purposely does this. God's spirit is on me. They have chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. They have sent me to announce pardon to prisoners, the recovery of the sight of the blind, to set the burdened and battered free, to announce this is God's time to shine. Say, time to shine. Jesus follows this up by doing what any good Jewish person would do in those days which is to engage in the midrash of the text. Which is to say, Jesus began to interpret for himself what this scripture means. Believe it or not, there are traditions where you can actually think for yourself. (laughs) You actually get to have an opinion about the scriptures in which you hold. You get the ability to discern what God has put on your heart. You don't have to listen to the authority of Scripture because you and the Scripture and God become the authority. And Jesus stands there, rolls out the scroll, honey, and testifies. You're going to get a lot of that this morning. Be prepared, okay? The first example Jesus offers is when Elijah is sent outside of Israel to perform two miracles during a severe drought and famine. The second example is that of Elijah and Naaman. Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army who had cruelly attacked Israel in 2 Kings. 
Not only was he a Gentile, non-Jew, a non-Jewish person, he was a hated enemy of the people. Despite this, Naaman becomes the first person healed of leprosy. Rather than bringing a miraculous healing to the Israelites, God bestowed it on a hostile pagan, a sinner. And Jesus says to these beloved people in whom he loves, why do you think that God healed them first? What's that about? These beloved hearers are offended because they live under the occupation of the Roman Empire. They see themselves already as oppressed, ostracized, persecuted. Why would their Yahweh not prefer them? Why wouldn't God set them free from their plight first? They, after all, are God's chosen people. This leads to anger and frustration from the hearers of Jesus' message that morning or afternoon or whatever. The scripture says that the people of God were so mad that they thought they were thinking that they would throw Jesus off a cliff. This is an important message, beloved friends. Because sometimes in the Christian traditions that I've been a part of, maybe you too, we hear things like, we are the only church, or we are the only right way, because we are Bible believers, we, are, we read scripture in a very serious way. And Jesus is not unfamiliar with that too in those days and essentially says, God has come for you, certainly, but God will leave no person behind. And it is in our loving, in our living, and our caring for others, in our kindness, that the world might be transformed for all people. Say, for all people. people. Let's be clear, beloved people. As we gather this morning, I imagine many of you have found yourselves in similar situations. With your toes dangling from the edge of the cliff that you've found yourself on due to new beliefs. You too have felt the scorn of a community after moments of wandering in the wilderness of religious turmoil, after reading the scriptures and beginning to be changed allowing the Spirit to transform your heart and mind to a more generous orthodoxy, something I heard a lot about from the hearts and minds of the people in this community this last few days. After being submerged in the waters of truth that you have been transformed by, you have arrived in a new place, in a new way of thinking and being. You have arrived in your home churches to testify to God's loving kindness, to God's abundant mercy, to God's radical message of love and acceptance, and your message has fallen upon deaf ears, and it has indeed been met with outrage. Can I get an amen? Amen. Do you hear me this morning? For some of you this morning, this story might be the reason you have arrived here in Imago Dei. It is because your truth and your testimony and your encounters with Scripture draw you in line with a message, the message of Jesus and Luke, which is God's love is for all people, regardless of anything. And it is time 
that that love shine bright. Say, shine bright. Shine bright. Being with you at Imago Day is healing. It is a healing gift for me as well. It is almost a full circle experience. You see, I grew up Lutheran and evangelical. I joke that the Lutherans taught me to know Jesus, but the evangelicals taught me to love Jesus. When I was a kid, I went to this thing called Acquire the Fire. Anybody Acquire the Fire? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, okay, okay, I see you. Acquire the Fire. Sixth grade in this huge arena and with every head bowed and every eye closed, the invitation to follow in the way of Jesus. I loved the theatrics, let's be real. <laughs> I loved the music, the boys were cuter, I was all about it. But around that time was the time when I also started to hear things like, you are a sinner, you are bad, you are broken. Maybe some of you heard those same things coming from people that you trusted and loved. And it began to inform not just my theology, but the way that I saw myself in the mirror. It began to inform the way that I saw the people around me, the people I could not be in relationship with because they just weren't right. Do you hear me this morning? I was the president of the Christian Club. I was leading altar calls in places I should not have been, getting myself in all sorts of trouble. But all the meanwhile, believing deep in me that there was something really flawed. I went away to college, continuing to wrestle, continuing to try to pray away the gay. And I'm just sharing this with you as a testimony of why this church matters, okay? So walk with me a little farther. I remember one, uh, one evening uh, during midterms, how many of you have experienced midterms? I had just finished a paper, I was stressed as heck, and all of a sudden I hear like buzzing outside my room and I open the door to holy water being splashed in my face. It was meant for the door, but it hit me. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, that is a spirit of rebellion, they said. And I said, no, it's just one in the morning in the midst of midterms. <laughs> but they, had, they were continuing to try to pray these demons away. I even went to this thing called IHOP. There ain't pancakes served there, just so you know. <laughs> the International House of Prayer. And I thought if there was one place that I could get the prayer I needed, it would be IHOP, obviously, right? I mean, you go to IHOP for pancakes, pretty good pancakes, so you go to IHOP for prayer, pretty good prayer. And all in these moments where the, this lovely lady was saying, are you healed yet? And it was almost like the Spirit of God, almost this call and response like we are doing today. Are you healed yet? No. Are you healed yet? No. Are you healed yet? No, absolutely not. 
And the Spirit of God washed over me in that moment and said, because there is nothing to be healed from. But I found myself, beloved friends, in a very weird predicament because the only thing I ever wanted to be was a pastor. My mom will tell you that at four years old, I would stand on a stump around a campfire and preach to them. <laughs> I've always been full of words, trust and believe. I would stand there and preach my heart out. And now I am 19 years old with a fire for God's love. And where do I put that? Because every place around me says, you are not welcome. So let me tell you what Imago Dei means to me this morning. This is a full circle in my life of healing. To be with you. I love my church. I love the United Church of Christ. I am thankful that they have received me. But to be in the Midwest, in an evangelical church that loves Jesus and loves all people, beloved, it is like water in the wilderness. And that is what you are doing. That is the gift that you offer. And so I come to you bringing blessing and encouragement because there are so many people like me here who are desperate for a message of love and inclusion. Amen? Amen. This morning I come to you with words of encouragement. Obviously I said that. Let us be clear. You have a purpose in this community to be bold proclaimers of progressive Christianity in a time when the message of Jesus Christ is being co-opted by those who have traded Jesus for power and might. Say power and might. Power. Whose proclamation of being pro-life has nothing to do with life itself. The one who taught us about abundant living and the wholeness of life, we hear that all through scripture. Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the... I've come so that you might have and have it abundantly. I love evangelicals because you know your scripture. <laughs> the wholeness of life would never reject any of God's children. The one who was, informed, who, who was informed by women, who stood up for women and met them in unique circumstances just to let them know that they are seen and known. the one who would never remove a woman's right or agency to her own body, to her own voice. Jesus, in fact, is transformed by the woman who says, when he says to her, I'm not healing your kid, and she basically pushes up against him and says, now, now, Jesus. It is in that moment that his ministry shifts, right? Even the dogs eat from the, from the scraps of the table. Transformed Jesus has been. Jesus prefers those whose lives have been diminished by those with power and privilege. And so, with courage, we stand with black and brown bodies in the wake of a nationalistic, homophobic, patriotic, patriarchal, white supremacy that infects Christianity now, and we must be different, beloved. We must. 
If then our teacher and healer Jesus is beckoning us to live boldly, to be proclaimers of love and kindness in a time and place when it is hard to find, what, what does that mean for Imago Day? What does it mean? I've heard over and over and over again. We welcome questions here. We want you to leave with more questions than answers. Beloved people of God, this church is 14 years old. Every seven years in the life of a church, the mission changes, their purpose changes and is transformed. This is just a, nothing but the facts, man. <laughs> you are in your 14th year, where you are beginning to shift and pivot to who you might become again. You have an amazing minister. Amen? Amen. An amazing pastor at your helm who is going to guide you into the future. On top of all of that, we have just left the wilderness of the pandemic, where we were supposed to learn a few things about what it means to be a little more interdependent. We kind of missed the mark. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that God isn't continuing to speak that into us. Every 500 years, the church is reformed. We are in the midst of a reformation in Christianity. And we are fighting for the soul of our tradition. I'm just sort of giving you some history, some ideas about your own wondering about who you might be together. Recently, I met a family, this is serious, who I, who, uh, I met a family recently who fled the state of Texas in the dead of night after Texas passed a bill uh, that children who were trans, who had parents who were supportive, must be checked out by CPS. This is true. Do you all know this? Have you read this? This, this is a fact. They fled to California, literally in the dead of night, because their Christian state passed a bill that said that if you support your trans child, you might be unfit to be a parent. What does your generous orthodoxy say about that, beloved? What is God's call to you in these days? When we hear people using the same scriptures that we have inherited to do harm to families and children and to women. We hear Isaiah and Jesus say, God's spirit is upon me. They have chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to the prisoner, recovery to the sight of the blind, to set the burdened and battered free, to announce this is God's time to shine. Say, time to shine. shine. You, beloved people, are close to God's heart. Many of you, like Jesus, have come out of religious communities that could not see you, that could not recognize your prophetic voice, and in the process, you have been hurt. But although you have experienced the religious trauma, you have endured the long suffering of coffee shop meetings and prayer meetings and pulpit shaming, you have indeed endured for such a time as this. Let me say that again. Although you have experienced this religious trauma, through the long suffering, of coffee shop meetings, prayer meetings, 
pulpit shaming. You have indeed endured for such a time as this. There are so many people desperate to hear the message that you have to offer, Imago Dei, including me. Your existing brings me and the world hope. It is indeed God's time to shine, and it is through you that God's love is radiating throughout this community. God has no hands, no feet, and no voice but yours and ours together. When you worship in the food desert here around you, how might you be manna to the hungry of this community, both physically and spiritually? When we know that queer youth attempt suicide, the queer youth will attempt suicide 40% less if they know one person that loves and supports them. What does that mean to you to show up for young people in this community? What does that mean? What does that look like? I don't know about you, but I feel so compelled to draw this circle wide. An abundant love kind of wide. A welcome to the barbecue family kind of wide. There are plenty of places for those who don't want to be co-builders, co-creators with our teacher and healer Jesus in the ark of justice. And they can find their way to those places, okay? Let me be clear about that. There are a lot of places that are uninterested in doing the hard lifting of caring for our neighbors, for standing for justice, to being clear-voiced and prophetic in a time when it is very unpopular. And that's fine. You go on ahead. But there is work to do. I am reminded of Dr. King's letter from the Birmingham jail to white moderate Christians whose request for Dr. King was just be patient. Dr. King says, time is never on the side of the oppressed. And I can tell you now, beloved people, I have no more time. Amen? Amen. Would you please raise your right arm, your hand like this, and I would like for you to just go clockwise with me. I think it's really important that we understand what we are to do in this community and the way we are to care for our neighbors, the way we are to offer kindness. Now go the other way, counterclockwise, great. Because people in this community are watching you. They want to know what's happening on this campus. Now put your hand on your chin. That's not your chin. You don't care what I say. You're watching what I'm doing, baby. <laughs> this community is watching you. In the way that you show up for one another, in the way you show up for the neighbors that surround you here, in the way you show up for queer kids and women. People do not just want to hear you. We've heard a lot of talking. They want to see your action, your right action. The time is now. The message you have to share in your community is needed now. The work of responding to people's hearts and minds with good, the good news of Jesus Christ is needed now. And it is not the same good news that we all left. You know what I mean? This isn't about dying for your sin and you being a bad and broken person. 
This is about knowing that God has loved you from the beginning. In the beginning, it was good. Say good. good. And that's the way it's always been. It has always been that way. God's Spirit is upon you. God has chosen you to preach the message of good news to the poor. God has called you to announce pardon to the prisoner through a recovery of the sight to the blind. How many of you have been blind before? Show of hands. To set the burdened and battered free and to announce, to announce that this is God's time to shine. Say, God's time to shine. So peace be with you in these days, beloved. May you be willing to live generously, preach generously, and welcome radically in the remembrance of the one who did it before us. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You can start getting up there one more time. This little light of mine, please stand. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. One more time, here we go. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it, let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, beloved, because you are the light of the world. Amen.